0: Alright everybody, welcome in for another episode of Hacked History. My name's Lucas, and I'm here with this uh, big mother effer next to me. Yeah. Big. His name's Jake.
1: Yeah. Big in all the right places, ladies. Oh, okay. Brain, well, heart, and soul. <laughs> yup, yup, perfect. <laughs> check, check, check. Check, check. And the women on the podcast are like, what about his dick?
0: Tell me about his dick. <laughs> I'm not going to comment, because I, I have no idea what your dick is like, and no, what do I, I want to know?
1: That really sounded like something that's, like, I'm trying to cover, almost, like, I have no knowledge of what his dick looks like, well, to and be fair, I, I don't, so. That's good, that's good that you don't, because I feel yeah, like that would I, make I it very weird.
0: Anyway, <laughs> uh, completely non word uh, sequidor. hoo Good old non word. great. Um, but... Ecuador. Ecuador. Today we are uh, doing our first episode on the History of Jazz, which is my miniseries, yeah. um, Yep. Fuck you, Ken Burns. Yeah. Uh. Well, actually, Ken Burns is one of my sources. Exactly. So thank you, Mister Burns. Really appreciate it. Not, Excellent. Yeah. Not that, Mister Burns. But you could be Smithers then, and I could totally be Mister Burns. Really stabs.
1: Is that is that your really weird like four? Minutes?
0: No, Jake. Is
1: that your role play fantasy there? No. <laughs>
0: <Good> <laughs> anyway. Lord. Um, so uh, <clears throat> As always, you can find us online and on all the major podcast platforms uh go ahead and give us a listen if you listen to this generally speaking you probably found us so that's awesome uh, if you have
1: my mistake
0: <laughs> please keep listening there you go <laughs> uh, i was gonna uh, say something about wandering into the wrong room <laughs> uh and uh also you can contact us on facebook at hacked history or on instagram at hacked underscore history or you can email us if you want if you have questions at hacked history 101 at gmail.com yeah any comments before we get started jake no. How do you feel about how do you med- your medical episode went yesterday? Was that a- all right? Yeah, good start. I, I liked thought. it. Yeah,
1: it got a reaction out of you, which is great. Cause it's I thought you would not give a fuck. So, oh,
0: no, definitely got a reaction out of me. That's that's for sure. All right, everybody. So without further ado, we're gonna jump right in. So the way I'm gonna kind of structure these episodes, the idea is we're gonna go from one era to one era, and at the end I'm gonna cover uh, a couple seminal figures in greater detail. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's gonna go like that. So we're gonna start with the first era. We're starting the beginning of jazz. <clears throat> this is how uh, the era, the era, basically all of time up until about the 1930s, is uh, what we're gonna cover. Are today. we
1: looking at like <clears throat> 18, like late 1800s, early like mid, so still early 1900s? Pretty You'll much.
0: see. That's okay. what, that's that's what we're looking at. You'll see. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Why are you going to be so fucking evasive about huh. it?
0: <laughs> late 19th century, Jay. <laughs> Up until the 1930s. Oh,
1: here we fucking go. <laughs> there you go. 18, Still, late 1800s. Explain century. to me why it's not the 18th century because mm-hmm. it's the 1800s, but fuck because, me, apparently. Because time hates us, Jay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, That's and, right. We come from America where we have the inches and the foot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but good for America.
1: I'm super, Uh, super concerned for your fucking screen right now. Well, that's
0: good. Anyway, we're going to start out with, uh, we're going to start talking about about Congo Square. Uh, So the thing that's really important to know about New Orleans is a city, whereas obviously New Orleans is kind of the birthplace of jazz. Uh, the The thing to know about New Orleans historically through time is it's been occupied by a lot of different people. Um, <laughs> Not pretty they, much, yeah. It started out uh, being occupied by the Spanish, then later the French, French. and then we ended up getting it yeah. in the Louisiana Purchase. Um, That's right. We but, fucking, we tricked the fuck out of Napoleon on that one. But here's the thing we did. <laughs> pretty cheap, pretty yeah, cheap. Yeah, pretty cheap for what it's worth, like 140 <laughs> million-ish, something. something like that. Um, so, the uh, important thing to realize about Congo Square, so the, how this kind of started was, uh, obviously in the... Mid uh, 19th century, we're still dealing in times of uh, where slavery is still legal for a while there. Um, and what you have is um, basically this is actually earlier than the mid 19th century. This is actually like early 1800s. You yeah, like 18, like
1: 18. Basically, 18, this
0: is still under Spanish occupation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have like early 1800s. Congo Square starts as. So basically, slaves uh, under Spanish occupation, because the Spanish are Catholics, you know, Sunday's a day of rest, sort of a thing. Well, what happens is on those Sundays, uh, even even uh, people who are enslaved have the opportunity to sort of meet up and kind of for like for a little part of the day they can you know kind yeah of play so music and gather and things like that. As a
1: side note to the listeners, I mean, as when I I'm not an expert in African American history within like the United States or in North America, but yeah. Um, and it would go on to, in most cases, to when the Americans started bringing in like slaves to that region, once we really started getting the south, but the, like, the cotton belt south, and then Louisiana, they actually would still do that. And so, yeah. But on top of which, the, the Spanish had slaves that they brought with them.
0: Right, because, right. Like, because the Spanish landed in the Caribbean. Yeah. And New Orleans was part of their territory. Yeah.
1: Also, yeah. fun fact, Spain, I think, was one of the first... European nations to give up slavery. I think because it wasn't like like feasible or something like that. I don't know.
0: Honestly, it this is going to sound really brash, but the nations that were going to give up slavery are usually the ones where it wasn't tied to their economy
1: exactly. Yeah, like Britain and Spain.
0: Yeah. Which there's no excuse because slavery is awful obviously, yeah. but it's but that's Well no, I would have
1: assumed the entire <laughs> opposite of what you were stating. <laughs>
0: Well, anyway, back to Congo Square. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk too much about slavery because it's not the point of this. Um, this is about coming out of slavery and what happens with the movement of jazz. So slavery is a part of it, but I don't want to get bogged down into that because it doesn't. You know, we could do a whole. We yeah, we could go off of so many tangents yeah. Um, but the important things about the Congo Square uh, is it became it 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 becomes sort of a cultural hotspot for. For music, really, it's a place where people who are from all these different countries can sort of interact. Yeah. And you have people from the Caribbean, you have people from Africa, and you have people from all these other places that are able to kind of come together and make music and kind of just sing and.
1: Is it th- kind of in ways like Harlem and contemporary music, or is it less
0: like that? It's less like that because it, at this point in time, Harlem people were free. Uh, they, well, I mean, obviously. They had they artistic expression would change. was really limited in the space. This This was like literally an afternoon every Sunday. Okay. But within
1: like the construct of the idea of like a district in their own to sort of create music. But but
0: kind of, but like, but at the end of the day they'd still have to leave and go back to... That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Harlem was a residence. That's just, you know, all right. No, no, I'm not not saying you're wrong. It's similar (laughs) ideas,
1: but... (laughs) He's like, I'm not saying you're wrong because you fucking are. No,
0: it's just different in the fact that there's not as much freedom in this scenario. Yeah,
1: that is that is understood.
0: Obviously, there's not as much freedom. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah. But even after slavery, it still becomes it's a place of cultural significance to the um people in that community. Um. Even after they're not slaves anymore, it becomes a spot of cultural significance. One of the main uh one of the main aspects of the music that was created here was uh. And it'll actually, this will come up multiple times as we go over the different types of music. Is this is sort of part of a uh, what's called call and response, which is a certain form of music. So you have the call and response form here, starting kind of in some of the music in Congo Square. That's going to become interest. That's going to become important because, as honestly. There's a reason that, like, there's not a really good answer for how jazz started for a lot of people. Like, if you ask someone how jazz started, most people will be like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And, honestly, it's because it's really complicated. Like, it's really rewarding to look at it, and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because it gives you a lot of just, not even just jazz, but how music itself, like, kind of evolves. Yeah. You learn a lot of that from kind of studying how things like jazz start. So I'm just going to go ahead and warn everybody. I'm going to probably say a lot of musical jargon and stuff out there, but if you follow along... My hope is that you'll understand where I'm, where I'm headed with this.
1: And, and as, a, as a thing to, to sort of clarify, when you said sort of call and response music, where, for the listeners, because I know where it comes from, but where would it originate within, like, slavery culture?
0: Well, call and response is more, that part of it was, um, that part of it's actually more uh, stuff they got from African music. Right, yeah, there's more traditional Yeah, uh, traditional stuff.
1: And, and it was um, kind of meant as, like, a form of communication between distant tribes, because ad as I remember they used to state that like tribes that existed down there towards colonialism still used it and they probably still do today but um in the concept that like they would do a rhythm and then the whoever it was with bongo drums across from them however distant they would then respond you yeah. so it was really ingenious because of the way it was like I, I can't even fucking like figure out an email sometimes so the fact that they could do that with drums and know what they're talking about is impressive to me it was pretty cool yeah
0: um so that's so, that's a, so basically I'm going to go through, the first part of this is going to be explaining all the different types of music that kind of contributed to the beginnings of jazz. So the first one is you have the music that's being made in Congo Square, and I'm not even going to attempt to put a genre on that because it really is like a very... It's a
1: diaspora, it's, really. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it, there's so,
0: it's like, there's so many different types of music going on that it's not worth... It's worth talking about. It, that's not what I mean, but it's not worth trying to categorize it. Well, we just, it, it would do an injustice to categorize it by saying anything yeah. other than it's just music made in Congo's. Yeah.
1: Then it's literally just that. Uh,
0: but then the next influence is uh Spanish and French influence. So um, if you had to guess what kind of music this is, Jake, I'm pretty sure you could get that. So it's, yeah. it's more of the classical stuff. So. Yeah. Um. Yes,
1: this, I can guess it. I'm looking at your screen.
0: <laughs> this is a good. Please don't. I don't want you to. Go ahead. <laughs> this is a good. This is a good spot to uh, sort of talk talk about uh, people who are Creole. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the idea
1: of. God love you Creole people, but sometimes I have a real hard time understanding how you can speak. <laughs> well,
0: because Creole is a, it's a super interesting culture because yeah. uh, it's in a lot of ways and mostly it refers to the blending of Spanish and French culture along with sometimes African American culture. Some
1: natives, depending, and some native. Name. It's
0: really just a it's a term for like a basically a melting pot of culture that you have. Yeah. Uh, in the south specifically, around southern Louisiana is where you hear the yeah. most. Down the bayou um, area. People who uh, were African American and also Spanish and French were often called creoles of color.
1: hmm
0: Um, what's interesting about those people is depending on the time. Sometimes they would have more rights than their uh, non-creole uh, African American. You know, companions, or I don't know how to phrase that, but sometimes they'd have more respect, or sometimes they'd have more respect in society than people who are African American. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they'd have just the same amount of respect, depending on who was in charge. So. Yeah, it was really, it wasn't easy to sort of pin
1: down because, like, especially in Spanish areas, they had like a system of like social status based on race, because you had mazitos, which were like a mixture between white or spanish and like native or you had um mulattoes which is a mix and i know that's a term that people don't use but that was the term that they used and so yeah but it differed widely based on who was in charge and all yeah. sorts of other stuff um
0: but the key thing that the reason i, I brought that up is because a lot of the times the people who would be influential in creating jazz would sometimes have a classical background and a lot of those times people those people would be creoles of color uh someone i'm going to talk about later in the podcast jelly roll morton oh, I love uh, it. <laughs> great name and uh believe me the stories are just as great as the name um <laughs> he is uh he, he was a Creole of color um so that that's why i wanted to explain it now and just to understand that that's where like the classical training for some of these guys is coming in that's why they're so technically skilled uh, it's because they've got a lot of the classical repertoire in there.
1: And not only that, I mean, yeah, their exposure to it over time. When you're exposed to it, as a child. I mean, obviously, you grow up with it. You learn it easy. It's kind of like most musicians were if they learn it like yeah.
0: that. Uh, so then the blues. Um, so this, uh, sort of to kind of explain why the blues is going to influence New Orleans because the first parts of it I'm going to start talking about, are going to be like, okay, well, why does it matter what's going on in the Mississippi Delta? Uh, and why does that matter towards jazz, right? Um, but the thing is, um, the thing it's important to understand is, you know, um, even after slavery, uh, even before too, like, basically blues was, was getting popular in, like, the late, mid to late 1800s, blues starts to be a thing, and basically you have people coming and playing this and kind of, like, spreading music just like you do nowadays, you know, like, where you have an idea or something like that, you move and you keep talking about the people in new towns, you know, like, entrepreneurs and, same kind of concept. You know, you got music, you're going to come to a new town, you're going to play it, and it's going to spread. Um, so blues is going to have an influence on jazz because uh, essentially people are going to be like, wow, this is some cool stuff they're doing out there in uh, Mississippi and stuff, and, you know, how can we incorporate that? And you basically, it's kind of like adding a new ingredient to the soup, so to speak, you know? Mm, uh, it's sort of that concept, yeah. Uh, we just ate food, thank God it was. i start probably start to get hungry if I talk about... I think uh, the Ken Burns jazz documentary ma- mentions it as gumbo.
1: Oh my god, so, I love gumbo.
0: Yeah, gumbo's delicious. Oh
1: my god. Sorry, <laughs> so, that was a food gas yeah, in
0: So, uh, blues starts to be popular in uh, the 1890s in terms of what we know it as today. Uh, it's associated with it's, the term blues has actually been associated with sadness since the 1500s, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and blues, okay, so I'm going to talk, this is going to get kind of music nerdy, but I'm going to explain it. And uh, I've actually, I wrote up some examples, so hopefully it makes some sense. Uh, But blues is uh is written in what's called a poetic form. So it's an AAB form. So basically that means you're gonna have two of the same things repeating for the first two lines, and the third line's gonna be something different. Now the way that they would do this is the first two lines would be the same thing, and the third line would be a rhyming line. So uh, that might sound complicated, but I wrote up some examples to try to explain it, and I think it's it becomes kind of obvious. uh, Um, you know, and you're gonna hear me sing for a brief moment, so please bear. Please don't judge me too hard, I'm not a musician. Judge him, judge him real hard. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so, um, so I wrote this up so you can say, My phone is broken, my telephone won't ring. My phone is broken, my telephone won't ring. My phone is broken, that is why I sing. So give that's... me
1: the straight side-eye.
0: <laughs> so, you, you wanted me to fail. I No, I, no, I don't. I um, don't.
1: Finish the fucking stanza, my dude.
0: I got the Gen Z blues. <laughs> I got the Gen Z blues. Lord, please give me a clue. That was good, but you should have, as
1: the Gen Z blues should state, you should also state that since your phone is broken, you cannot smash.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> My OG won't call uh, me, but but uh, but, uh, but, uh, but you get the but you get what I'm saying though, right? Like it makes sense. Oh, yeah, these, yeah. You got the two lines, the like, two lines that are the same thing, and you get the third line, line where you switch up just a little bit, but it rhymes, and that's uh, pretty much that's the, that's the blues in simplest form. Um, but that's what's called uh, the the that's why the blues is called in poetic form. That's why it's called the A A B. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, but um, so then that brings us to like the different types of blues, so then you, the first one we're talking about is called country-rural blues. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so this is the stuff, um, it's most, this is actually mostly, uh, done by males, uh, which is, I'm bringing up the, the distinction for a reason, because later it's actually pretty interesting, uh, once we talk about the other type of blues, it's actually mostly done by females. Uh, but this is the type of blues that's mostly done by males. Uh, it's usually performed by like just one guy with his guitar, he doesn't have any really accompaniment with him, it's just him playing the guitar. Uh, and I've, as I've kind of alluded to before, this is stuff that was mostly performed in the Mississippi Delta region, so you're talking about uh, southern Mississippi and like, maybe some parts of like rural Louisiana, it's just kind of like that part of the country. So, like, su- the yeah. far southern part of the United States. Really.
1: Would this be considered... Is there a similar genre that like could kind of tie to a more modern context, or...?
0: Uh, well, okay, so... Blues... So this type of blues will spawn a lot of things, actually. Yeah. Uh, this... The... You know I'll explain it in a second. Yeah, go ahead. It'll, uh, so, uh, it'll make more sense when I talk about uh, one of the famous people here. Uh, the most famous guy that did this type of blues, his name is Robert Johnson. Uh, and Robert Johnson's actually, um... He lived from, uh, 1911 till 1938. Uh, he's best known for, as the Mississippi Delta singer. And, uh, he, his songs had themes that revolved around unrequited love, so he loved people that did not love him back. Uh, traveling and, uh, fate, ironically. And I say ironically because if you realize when this man died, he was only 27 years old. Which is, uh definitely not nor- not like I mean cause even in this time period people usually live longer than that 27 was still dying very young uh and uh oh, really there's actually some folklore around Robert Johnson uh he's uh sort of what people call the founding member of what people call the 27 club
1: oh the, yeah uh,
0: and that's the group of famous people like musicians that have died at age 27 so it, when people talk about this club and I don't personally prescribe to it but like People like to make a lot of connections, they'll talk about him. Uh him is in uh, Robert Johnson, they'll talk about people like I think Brian Jones, who's one of the founding members of uh, I think the Rolling Stones, right? Yeah. But you said who? Brian Jones.
1: Uh, that's a great question. Let me find out.
0: Uh, then they'll also talk about my gosh, I'm um, Jim Morrison, Jim uh, Hendrix.
1: God. Yep, Jim Morrison.
0: Um Kurt Cobain. All those people died... Yeah,
1: and Jim... Yeah, Brian Jones was in the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah.
0: so all those people died at age, age 27, so people will point... Uh, and the, it's a conspiracy. The, the full, <laughs> and the folklore behind Robert Johnson is because he, he has a lot of songs where, like, he, he'll put devil in the name or, like, he'll talk about... Allegedly, he made some deal with the devil to learn how to play guitar.
1: And that's almost like a... That's almost like, if I know any general stories, there's a lot of, like, even... Okay, so a good example of this was sort of the context of, um, sort of, like, society back then, because we were still dealing with, as you get into, like, the 30s, sort of that old oh brother were art thou vibe of, like, sort of re, uh... God, what the fuck is it called? It, it's, like a, it's like a religious revival in, like, the South. And they had that where like, you talk about getting these skills to be a great musician, but the fact was you had to sell your soul.
0: See, Robert Johnson was, and that's a good connection, but... I don't see Robert Johnson as being a church-going type. This no. man likes to. This, yeah. this man like to drink. Yeah, I what mean, and you? why
1: would you go to the church when it does harbor some issues?
0: Yeah, um, and uh, as we found out when we played one of his songs earlier, this man probably beat women, which is. Oh yeah. Awful. He says it outright. He says I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go home and beat my woman, and I'm until like. Until he was satisfied. That's until what he, he said. was satisfied. I thought it was until he was sad, but no, no, that changes my no. tune. Thanks a lot, bud. It's still awful. It Doesn't really matter no, what I've context. Been, It just makes it much worse. Beating women is never okay. No. And I can't believe I have to say that. That's right. But, uh... We're looking at you, Chris Brown. But anyway, Robert Johnson... Oh, God. Oh, Chris. Oh,
1: Chris! Why? Because he could.
0: Yeah, that's... Okay. Anyway. Uh, but, uh, Robert Johnson published one of his songs called... One of his most famous songs is called "Drunken Hearted Man. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, he's been the inspiration to a lot of guitarists over the years. Um... So ironically enough, people like Brian Jones, who we talked about, as part of the 27 Club. If you take if you get rid of that, um, you talk about people like that. So he he inspired like early rock rock groups like the Rolling Stones. Um, but that type of like that folk music you can hear has strong influences in like outlaw country music and like, um, you know, just even modern blues music really. So Robert Johnson's like influence on guitar and like the way he did that type of blues would go on to influence like countless musicians yeah, and bands. Yeah. Um, so that that's why he's viewed as such an important artist as far as part of this movement goes. Um, uh, as far as other notable, I don't have anything on these guys, but if you want to look them up, the names sound great. We have uh, Huddy Ledbetter. Oh, that's a that's a name. <laughs> and Blind Lemon Jefferson. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so those are two other. They're, they're great. Bluesman names. <laughs> they're great. <laughs> I mean, they're great bluesman names. Huddy Ledbetter, That's perfect. That's a badass name. Badass? That's like if Eddie Vedder were cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so then the other type of blues actually is uh mostly done by females and uh, mm, which is pretty progressive for the time. Uh, and it's uh cl- it's called classic or city blues. Um, so it's mostly done by female musicians. Uh, and they're usually accompanied by an ensemble. So, uh, you have a female singer and then you have a. Uh, like let's say like five or six people behind her kind of accompanying her and playing the blues melody to what she's saying whereas like with the mississippi delta people you would have a guy on the guitar and that's it yeah uh the, the famous people in this genre uh were ma rainey mammy smith
1: i have heard of ma rainey and and, and uh, bessie smith and i've heard of bessie smith yeah
0: bessie smith and ma rainey are definitely two famous uh of those of those three um but they all had really amazing voices and if you listen to some of the recordings, uh, which, uh, side note, actually you can, because I have a playlist that I made for for this episode that I, that I posted to our new website, which I will get the link up on our Facebook page soon. Uh, so by the time this website is out, by the time this website, by the time this uh, podcast releases, you'll have the opportunity to go to click on the link and go check out some of these people for yourself. Otherwise, if you don't want to look out what I pure, uh, curated for you, you know, Spotify, the Internet, or you can just look up any of these people and find recordings of them, mostly. Uh, There'll be a couple people I talk about that actually don't have recordings that survive, which is kind of sad. Um, but uh, back to back to where the back to uh, this type of blues. Uh, where, where, this was, well, where this was performed was mostly at like tent shows, or sometimes at minstrel shows. Oh God. Uh, minstrel. Oh. <laughs> You could, we, uh, we could and should probably do the whole thing about minstrel shows. Oh tells, my god. Just to explain how <laughs> fucked up that was.
1: It's not just fucked up, it's terrifying. It's visibly terrifying. i just say, okay, so as a context for those of you who are like, what the fuck is he talking about? We'll save you the Google search. A minstrel show is basically where a bunch of white dudes put on blackface, which is widely unacceptable. You know what's weirder though? And like,
0: become caricatures of African Americans where they basically just peddled stereotypes. You know what's weirder though? Like, it got to be eventually where there would be, at one point, like, later, like, in minstrel, in the minstrel age, like, you'd have black people playing white people playing black people. It's like the version of I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Yeah, but it was literally a thing that happened. Oh, was, no, I'm not a black guys playing white caricatures of black guys. That's totally fucking odd. Awesome. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that I'm not sure if that's the right statement. I'm really confused. Yeah, I mean, just wrap your mind what, around what that a world. fucking labyrinth that is.
0: That's thats going that would take some more uh, some more research and thought to get to the bottom of that one. Um, uh, but also these shows were also performed in the black theater, um, and um, and then also like eventually the people that would end up accompanying these people would a lot of times end up becoming jazz musicians. Yeah. So uh, that's so. To kind of recap the blues section, uh, you have two main facets okay. of blues that are going to influence jazz, and both of them are going to influence them in pretty important ways. You have uh, some of the Mississippi Delta stuff, so you have uh, basically, you know, the the, the single man's guitar kind of yeah. really- the, really it's the raw emotion you can hear is
1: it sort of um, like what we talked about earlier when we said that blues was kind of the concept of like early therapy for most singers
0: yeah and you're gonna hear a lot of like a lot of the early jazz will have similar topics like if you listen to basically any old like dixieland jazz a lot of times they'll have similar themes to what those blues songs would have been about you know well, the
1: original dixieland jazz just stole the music
0: okay no don't talk about that band. Dixieland jazz is a genre. The original Dixieland. No, I'm saying the band. band. The band. That band so. is a travesty. We'll that band is. That's what I'm saying. Dixieland jazz in general is just the term for New Orleans jazz. I love how angry you got right there. Because I don't like that band. Oh God. I'm gonna rant about them <laughs> later, but like, I don't. I'm not gonna go there now. I'm talk about ragtime. I'm talking about ragtime. Like okay, I move on. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just to wrap up the blues. Um, so basically, uh, blues is. Kind of what gives jazz that early sense of emotion and feeling in a lot of ways. They get that from blues music, which makes a lot of sense because, you listen to blues, you can tell there's a lot of emotion in it. Uh, so ragtime music. So ragtime music is uh music that's gonna be popular from about 1980, so 1999. Er, sorry, 1899 to 1917, more or less. it's gonna be popular in the 20s too. Um, but it really hits your stride like and, like, stops around 1917, uh, so the stuff about this music is it's mostly, actually, again, very progressive for its time, it's mostly performed by African-Americans who are literate, well-educated, and, uh, uh, and basically have a really fucking good at piano, because I don't know if you've ever heard ragtime music before, but if you know anything about how hard it is to play piano, you will know that ragtime is not easy, that it's, like, it, it might sound simple when you hear it, but, like, if you think about just how fast you have to move your fingers to replicate the sounds of what they're doing on the piano, it's pretty insane. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Jay? I
1: would, yeah. I mean, when you listen to it, too, the fact that it is so intricate that you can fuck that up so
0: hard. Oh, yeah, and it's really fast. That's something thing about ragtime. Uh, I remember just even in band practice, or, or, or you know, where we had to play ragtime pieces, and there'd always be cut time, and it'd be super fast. I was just like, what the <laughs> hell's going on? Um, but, um, so that's, uh, it's interesting. And the thing that I thought, and basically, um, Ragtime largely existed in the in the, so in the Midwest. It was kind of a Midwestern sort of music when, when it started. Uh, and there was very little improvisation at all in Ragtime. It's very structured. It has a lot of classical roots. Um, and the thing that I find absolutely hilarious about Ragtime is, Ragtime time was like literally like rock and roll to the kids of like the early nineteen hundreds. Oh yeah. <laughs> they they played they they played it for like their their parents and their parents were like I don't understand this music. I
1: love old kid. I want to know how fucking boring old time music was, so that old people were like I can't stand this music. Oh,
0: where you wear you show your wrist. Okay, well think about okay, but think about the types of people, Jake. Um, all right, well way I to I, kill the joke there. No, no, but, no all right. but like, but you make a good point off your joke. That's what I'm saying. Um, because these people. A lot of times, like, if you think about the type of people who got in this music, uh, they were going to be children of people who were pretty well-off, right? Yeah. Uh, and in a lot of cases... People, people who were able to travel, too. Yeah, and those people would probably listen to a lot of, like, classical and opera yeah. and stuff. And if you think about how how strict and, like, how governed a lot oh. of this music sounds compared to how ragtime uh, it sounds. As a
1: person who's gone through an opera when I was at the Met,
0: it was fucking something. It was. Yeah, but... But, but yeah, but... The, you could but I get where they're coming but, but from. I get where they're coming from. But the style is just so so different that like yeah. uh, it, it's just something you can't not pay attention to. Exactly. Uh, and actually, I found a quote that, and again, I got this from Ken Burns Jazz because. Cool. Ken Burns Jazz. Fucking amazing. Uh, composer Edward Edward uh, Baker Edward Baxter Perry warned. Ragtime is a, is syncopation gone mad, oh, God. and its victims can be treated treated successfully, in my opinion, like the dog with rabies with a dose of lead. Fuck me. Whether it is <laughs> what? whether, whether it is simply a passing phase of our descendant decadent decadent art. You decadent. Pa- dic- decadent, art pa- decadent. <laughs> or an infectious disease that has come to stay,
1: like leprosy. Time alone can tell. I fucking love how aggressive he got. Like you like ragtime, and it's somewhat more upbeat than opera. Put a fucking bullet in the back of his head. Like this guy should not be allowed within like a hundred feet of a school.
0: So, uh, the point being is, um, jokes aside, like you know, ragtime was revolutionary to people at this point. They hadn't heard anything like ragtime, and uh, I mean, even to this day, like ragtime's still really distinct. Like I know the first time I heard it, I was like, this does not sound like anything I've ever heard. You know, it, it. You know, it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I, I won't necessarily say that I love ragtime, but I can see the importance in creating jazz. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the most famous composer um of uh, ragtime music is Scott Joplin. Ooh, yeah. Uh, there's actually a really good movie done about him. I forgot what it's called, but there's a really good uh movie made about Scott Joplin. That's why I'm going to the internet. Uh, and his most famous songs are the Maple Leaf Rag, which is actually the Maple Leaf Rag was his most commercially successful. But I would argue that uh most most times now. People would probably know him from The Entertainer. Uh, I'd say that's probably his most famous song, but his most like okay, so sorry, go ahead. uh, But his most uh, his most uh, sold song was like the Maple the Maple Leaf Rag. Uh, Do you find in the movie? Yeah. You want to know what it's called? What's it called Scott Joplin? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember right, that's a great movie. Anyway, I can't remember the name His life is actually really tragic as it well. It really is, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he dies very young. Uh and you know, he basically publishes Maple Leaf Rag, and I think if I remember it, he gets really sick and then he his life goes downhill really fast. Um but, but Oh hell yeah, does. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. uh, his, he, he's a really tragic ending. Yeah. Uh, but but Scott Joplin is... Try to light the mood. <laughs> right mm. <of> his, his... <laughs> that's right, the ice cream van's <laughs> around here. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that's what, <laughs> that's what people remember Scott Joplin for. Or is the ice cream
1: truck. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> where are we at? Uh, what's that? I said, so where are we at as a society? I don't understand. I don't know. M. But M. Uh, yeah.
0: basically, Ragtime right starts kind of fading as, as far as 1920 goes around. Or at least that, that version of Ragtime... Right what you have is kind of like a second, like, sort of like imposter version of ragtime <laughs> that kind of comes You're not right the
1: real version.
0: Well, it changes, right? Yeah. Uh, it changes. It changes in a way that it becomes popular, so it becomes popular music. So, like, early 1920s, especially ragtime, still pretty popular, but it's a different type of ragtime. Uh, so and it's part of this like, it's yeah, it's sort of a watered down ragtime sound. The most famous song from like around this period, which if you play music or you're a music nerd, you probably know this one. Uh, is Alexander's Ragtime Band by Irving Berlin. And the way that this kind of changes is it, it's a departure from classic ragtime and that it becomes basically syncopated two-step music, uh, which essentially means, like, instead of going... It's yeah, like, wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really... Yeah, I, I'm not going to even try to fully explain that one. Sk- basically, it's just a... cat kind of, your way through that. <laughs> it becomes a lot less complicated. Uh, and then the music becomes uh, orchestrated in an ensemble, so it's not just for piano. Mm. Uh, so you have ragtime bands instead of just Scott Joplin sitting a piano well, wowing you with his abilities. Um, so that, that's actually pretty interesting. So um, while people might not see a direct correlation between ragtime and jazz right away, what I would argue is um, if you listen to, especially a lot of the early jazz or really any Dixieland jazz, if you think about, like, the really intense rhythmic notes you, you hear in ragtime and you hear about and you hear kind of in the background of a lot of dixieland jazz yeah uh there's really a direct correlation there uh it comes from ragtime and, and the innovations they made during this time yeah so moving on uh actually moving have, on i do actually have a small part about uh minstrel shows here uh so minstrel shows as we talked about earlier i'm just going to com- briefly do it because i didn't know we were going to talk about it earlier uh uh, again, a lot of racism, blackface. Uh, oh
1: yeah, a lot white, of blackface. Whites
0: painted up as blacks, and then blacks playing up. And I still. Whites
1: playing as blacks, which is just fucking confusing. Blacks
0: playing whites playing blacks. Like
1: what? I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as
0: another dude. Yeah, it it's really fucked up. That's all I have for that one. Uh, this is this is fun. Uh, now we can talk about story though. Do you know what Storyville is? Jay? No. Uh, Storyville was a red light district that operated. New yes, <laughs> hookers. <laughs> About 1897 and 1917. <laughs> uh, let's think, yeah, it, it essentially was literally like there was the one district in the city that was legal prostitution. Uh, it was only a specific district of the city because the idea behind. Is that it, basically
1: like fucking uh, Bourbon Street in regular New Orleans now?
0: Well, there's no legalized prostitution. That doesn't exist in New Orleans now. Not um, now? No. Oh. A lot of hookers Street's just a cesspool. That's strippers. It's shit. just a cesspool. They're just strippers, my friend.
1: I, I love that you're explaining it to me like, uh, like the band teacher was explaining to his kids probably what all those naked ladies were doing in the street at two o'clock okay. in the afternoon. Here's, here's the deal.
0: I'm not saying that they're part of the cesspool. They can, you know, what, they need to make money. No, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm no, not I'm don't not. Don't dem- you fucking put words in my mouth, asshole. I'm one. just saying. I'm, I'm clarifying my comments. I'm not demeaning them. If they're making money that way and that's how they make a living, yeah. good for them. I'm just Shame talking me. about just the sheer amount of germs and shit that you can catch. Oh on no, the I
1: was fairly certain that we were gonna walk down that street. And I was end up getting like chlamydia from just looking at a building. Like that's pretty much how that was. Like, granted, yeah. French Quarter is awesome. French Quarter is awesome. As a whole, it's awesome. Just Bourbon Street alone is kind of like, unless you're like a college kid who's willing to show her tits for beads, it's really not for you. <laughs> So the red
0: light district. <laughs> anyway, it falls uh, in perfectly. Uh, 1897 to 1917 is the main user operation for this, um, and basically their idea was, you know, we're uh, we're gonna try to control prostitution by making it only happen in this specific area. Um, but what it obviously really does is it creates a well, basically, what's called a red light district. So you have a whole district of basically some shady shit going on. Well, and it's but not you, just in you, New Orleans. Well, yeah, it's like in most big cities have had yeah. these districts. Um We fucking had one in this town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but basically, it's basically just a spot where, like, basically, it's centralized underground crime and shit. So you got gambling, drinking, debauchery, prostitution. Uh, a lot of shit was going down. Um, and I actually found a quote. Uh. Quote by uh, a guy named Garrett Kiss who apparently wrote a book called The Emperor of, Sun, of Sin, excuse me, <laughs> The Emperor Empire of Sin: A Story of Sex, Jazz, Murder, and the Battle for Modern New Orleans. Nice.
1: That sounds um, like an awesome read.
0: It sounds great. I would actually, I would definitely want to read it. Um, his quote is: "This was, after all, New Orleans in 1890, the Crescent City of the Gilded Age, where aliases of convenience and unconventional living arrangements were anything but out of the ordinary." At least in certain parts of town. Identities were fluid here, and names and appearances were not always the best guide to telling who was who. <laughs> so basically, there's a lot of shady shit going on in New Orleans at that point in time. Um, the reason I bring up Storyville is uh, because uh, it'll become more apparent when I start talking about... Well, actually, a little bit, when I start talking about the origins of jazz. But uh, specifically when I'm talking about Scott Joplin. Uh, yeah. Storyville, uh, not Scott Joplin. Excuse me. Jelly Roll Morton. Come on. Get your fucking names <laughs> right. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, Jelly Will Morton. Look,
1: I was saying Indian names yesterday. I was doing okay.
0: Yeah, you, okay. Anyway. Uh, We're going to talk about the, okay, so Storyville is sort of the last component uh, in the list of components here. And in a second, I'll break down sort of, again, how all this stacks up so that it becomes a little bit more. Actually, I'll do it right now. Uh, So, all this stuff is really a combination. I know I used the soup metaphor earlier, but that really is what it is. Yeah, it's that sort of idea. So you have ragtime being percussive structure and drive. So again, that idea of like the really fast notes and like the fast bass is sort of contributing to that part of jazz. You have blues for the feeling and emotion part of it. So kind of adding in all that all that really hard hitting blues stuff, trying to, to put that in it. We uh, have minstrel shows where you have performers and stuff who are coming from that from that area. Uh, you have classical music, so you have people who are really good technically, who are just really good musicians because they play a lot of classical music you have actually a thing I haven't mentioned yet you have brass bands uh, which have been like a which has been a staple of New Orleans culture for a very very long time um, but again you have really people who are talented playing really rhythmic militaristic stuff yeah uh, and you have Congo Square so you have again that really unique mix of music that I'm not even going to try to fully explain again because I honestly can't it's really difficult and then again something I haven't mentioned you actually have gospel music too oh yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of times a lot of the Again, it'd be a lot of calm response in these two. Um, but uh, that would actually come from, uh, a lot of times, the Southern Baptist Church.
1: Yeah. Um, sure. Like, I like to call it the funner Christianity.
0: They, they do a lot of singing. Lot I want to go to a service I, so I, I kind of do, too. It seems really fun. It really is. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but as far as uh, other stuff about early jazz, so this is, now we're to the point where we're starting to make what's actually called jazz music. Now, for my, fun, my for my next, like, really fun story... This one I love. I'm going to talk about the word, the origin of the word jazz, because a lot of people don't really know. Uh, And this is kind of up for debate, but what a lot of, uh, a lot of people, I've heard this in multiple uh, scenarios, Mm -hmm. what people say is that, uh, essentially, it used to be jazz, J-A-S. Jazz. Yeah, and actually- Like a German
1: version of Jazz.
0: No, um, actually, that comes from uh, the perfume that was perf- that was preferred by the prostitutes in the story, though. Nice. It um, was like <laughs> jasmine perfume, so <laughs> they shipped it to jazz, and they called that the music they were playing. Jazz? Um, but then people ran into trouble when debauchery uh, as teens, when uh, there'd be, like, flyers and shit around that says jazz on it. People would like, <laughs> teens and shit would literally just, like, scratch out the jet. So it's ass. ass. Nice! <laughs> yes! Fucking middle school! Woo! Wow. We're done, everybody! So then they, uh, and then they, and then they changed it to J-A-Z-Z to, yes. th- to sort of fix that. Yas! <laughs> okay, granted, that's sort of unverified, but I love that I story. I fucking love that already. I, I want that to be exactly how it happened, because it's great. Um, <laughs> so jazz does, as I, as I talked about earlier, kind of spoiling it in the beginning, does start in the streets of New Orleans with all these different types of music contributing to it. Uh, and then eventually it's gonna move out of New Orleans to places like Chicago and New York and it's gonna spread all across the country it's gonna go to LA yeah you know, jazz is gonna as I'll cover in other episodes yeah it's gonna really it's gonna make an impact in a lot of different places not
1: only is it it's also gonna be international too but you start getting jazz in like um, France too because a lot of people who were jazz singers would have, usually somewhere between their lifespan would go to like France to learn it's usually in the 50s 60s and sometimes the 70s but also in the 30s yeah, just prior there, to the there, war
0: it, there is an international jazz scene that emerges um, but what's really cool about jazz is it really uniquely it's an american form of music which is really cool to say because it, it really is like the really only like one true form of just purely american music like we took all of these yeah. and yeah god bless <laughs> america god bless America! But no, in this sense, it really that it really it really is like a God bless America moment because jazz is pretty neat and uh, <laughs> yeah I I like jazz a lot which you're probably gonna figure out through the series um I don't always love every form of jazz but I really like the uh, genre uh, so the structure here uh, for the most part basically what's gonna, this is gonna be go, how uh, early jazz bands are gonna be structured uh, you have a cornet which is essentially the same thing as a trumpet uh, they're just a little different. I'm,
1: don't at me, like. Don't at me, bro. I know the
0: coronet's like slightly smaller, like in scale. I
1: want to know the guy who gets butt hurt over the coronet size, like. I no. Mean, <laughs>
0: uh, but that mainly played melodies on the jazz songs, and you have the clarinet, which did what a lot, <laughs> what's actually called noodling <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you ever listen to, like, Dixie Lee and Jazzy, you're listening like Dixieland jazz, you're kind of, I'm, gonna, and again, I'm gonna do another really crappy imitation. You're gonna, <laughs> have, you're gonna have a
1: clarinet going.
0: Yeah, you uh,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know, it's funny. No, I just love the fact that you're, like, really give it her, and then you're like, yeah, no, this fucking suck, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, and then, you
0: know, I, I, I mean, I'm not meaning to demean myself, I'm just trying to not set No, you're not mean, come on, you know no, that. I'm not trying to demean myself. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm the one who um, sucks, not you. <laughs> you don't suck you don't. <laughs> uh, the, the trombone do do a lot of what's called like tailgating so like they come off of like notes and go yeah yeah I know yeah. that
1: I know that particular style
0: yeah and then uh, there'd be piano and bass or piano and or bass sometimes both Um, and then sometimes be a banjo <laughs> and uh, they'd have uh, some usually at this point in time the percussion would probably be like a snare drum uh, and sometimes, like, a bass drum. Yeah, but, because a lot of times they're getting that percussion from, like, brass bands and stuff, and, uh, you know, marching equipment. So, yeah. Um, but, okay, so, time to talk, to finish up with, uh, some fun stories about the first people involved in jazz. So, the people who are going to be making the music and kind of starting it off. We're going to start off with, uh, a guy named Buddy Bolden, who really is pretty much the inventor of jazz. Like, the true inventor of jazz. Like, oh, yeah. uh, he's actually based on a lot of uh, people, even like his contemporaries. Like, they're like, oh yeah, Buddy was the first one to like play early jazz. Um, so like, whether or not, basically, however much credit people give him is really based upon like their level of music snobbery sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> or like, their like, creative. you don't even know. But like, for for all like intents and purposes, he really did create jazz. Yeah. Um. Well, like, well, was, we would think contemporary jazz. Well, no, he created jazz. Jazz wasn't a thing before he he played oh, oh okay okay and, I see what you mean all right, all right uh and he uh he was, so he was born september 6 1877 and he died november 4th 1931 uh he did live to be 50 something but uh he actually did live a pretty tragic life and i'll get to that but he was instrumental in starting jazz and basically he was um he was a cornet or trumpet player depending on how you want to put it um but he his style was basically so unique that people would literally flock to go see him no matter where he was um and essentially, like, he he combined all those types of music that we were talking about on time. You know, he combined blues and ragtime. And, you know, really what he did was he brought, like, the rhythmic version of ragtime music and combined it with blues. So you have the emotion. Yeah. You know, he started putting all these things together so, like no one had before.
1: So, in a, in a way, is like ragtime was more like your sort of party music, where blues was sort of your more serious, like, this is real life kind of thing?
0: Uh, in a way, um, I would say that the juice different types of music from different areas, like, um, because, like, in a lot of ways, I, I really do think blues was, like, you know, people really did get together to, like, for, like, blues concerts in, like, the, in the Delta region, like, um, so, like, what what the fuck else would you do? Uh, I don't know, man, (laughs) but, um, but back to Buddy Bolden, so, uh, some people have actually called him the father of jazz, so that's pretty cool, uh, and, uh, he was basically famous in New Orleans from about 1900 until about 1907. Was the time he was most famous, um, and the reason that he uh, stopped being famous in 1907, even though he lived till 1931, uh, was because in 1907 he had a battle of what was called acute alcoholic psychosis. Oh, well, I 30, wanna! Whoa, whoa, slow your roller! What the fuck is that? I'll explain in a second. Basically, his mom was concerned that he was either gonna hurt himself or her. So she called him in basically to the psych ward. No, that's fair. Uh, and they later disc they diagnosed him with what we would now call schizophrenia. No. Yeah. Uh. And back in
1: the day when there was literally no safety net for anybody with a mental illness. No. He ba-
0: and he basically lived in Louisiana state in asylum at Jacksonville Jackson. Oh,
1: and the state. Okay, so for those of you who can maybe cross listen, when I start talking about like the patients or mental illness and their treatment, it is fucking horrendous. Like there the lack of. Either facility space or like the oh, lack of inhuman. medical knowledge is fucking amazing. It's without a doubt he was being shocked. Oh, for sure, and beaten
0: is, and all sorts of shit. Oh, all bunch of inhumane shit, yeah. like up and down. Hell yeah. no? Which is, no it's awful. But Uh, now yeah. we've got, <laughs> anyway, we've gotten to the last two. and These are gonna be these are these are something. We're gonna talk about Jelly Roll Morton. Morton
1: first, though. Hey. You uh, told me not to look at your notes for Jelly Roll Martin, so I'm
0: interested to see what you have to say. Uh, it's, it's it's fun. Uh, <laughs> so, is it though? <laughs> it is. Okay. Uh, so he's the first person to write down jazz music. So like at this point in time, you know, like after Buddy Bolden started doing all this stuff, people were like, oh, that sounds awesome. But if you write it on me, if you write it on like sheet music, are you gonna like destroy like the like the, the feel of it? You know? Are you gonna like, keep that? Turns yeah. out like you can. Uh, he proved it.
1: Uh, oh, for a minute, I literally thought you were shit talking me, and I'm like, no. Yeah, you got it? Alright, good.
0: No. Uh, he was born on October 20th, 1890, and lived until July 10th, 1941. Uh, he learned how to improvise. <laughs> the, 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 Okay, the best part about how he learned how to play jazz and how he learned how to improvise this man's a piano player. He's a pianist. Yeah, he's 14 years old. Where do you think he works? He can play piano at his job. Where do you think he works? Okay. If I'm thinking, well, when when is he playing? What time period? Uh, well, he's like 14.
1: so like, No, no, like what year? Like 1905-ish. Bar or whorehouse?
0: It's actually the latter. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. This is <laughs> that pretty, was a little too aggressive. This is pretty great. You're gonna love this. Um, oh, I'm so down. So at, at the time, he actually lived with like his very religious like grandma. Oh, of course. Um, and at the time, <laughs> all right, Nana, I'm off to go to the pussy house. <laughs> no, He uh. He told her that he was working as a night watchman, which was technically not untrue, because what, <laughs> kind he would, what he would do at the whorehouse was he would actually look through the people as people were making love, and like as they were like gyrating and stuff, he would start improvising new stuff on the piano.
1: He was it's literally fucking whoa, no, you don't get the transition after that. Like so he that's was amazing. He, he
0: was the soundtrack to people having sex. He was the original. That's how he learned how fucks. to improvise on piano. <laughs> so anybody out there
1: who would like to get it with their girl tonight and or a significant other cause I don't judge, there you go. Jelly Roll Morton. Just give her.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, and basically, uh essentially the way he earned more tips is that he did a particularly good job. When the, when the when the prostitute made like a little move or something like that. <laughs> he, he, he would actually... If he did a particularly good job, he'd get extra money. Oh my
1: god. Wait, so, okay, so are you telling me he used to play while they were fucking? Or he just
0: got no, his inspiration no, from no, them fucking? No, while they were fucking. Oh my he, god. He, used to, he really used to sit there looking through a peephole... That, that is, is amazing! Game. Oh my god! Yeah, eventually his grandmother found out and she was <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, was like, she was like, yeah, you're done. What I want, <laughs> what I, I
1: want is for the one where he's playing it and the dude is like really, really like short fused. So he's like three or four notes in and it just, <sniffs> that's it. <laughs> you got any guesses on what jelly roll means? Oh um, no, I don't want to. You tell me. <laughs> Essentially, it means a vagina.
0: Fuck! <laughs> It either means that, or I've heard, or, or I've, or I've heard someone say it means the, the most amount of sexual pre- pleasure that you'd prefer above anything else.
1: <laughs> either I'm way, gonna go with the former, not the latter on that one.
0: <laughs> either way, it's yeah. He called himself. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, he in, in 1902 he claimed to have invented jazz. Of course he. Did. He's a creole of color, by the way. Yeah, that is uh. Yeah, which is why I'm not going to be as mean to him on his claim to invent have invented jazz because he was actually pretty close to having invented it. Like in some ways, he did invent like the notation for jazz. Which oh yeah, very important. Um, well, I think the fact
1: is in stating he may have created the notation, and his was like I created jazz. It's like you you did
0: and you didn't. So yeah, and there's actually a quote that I found that's uh that's by an expert on this. I didn't get his name unfortunately. Oh but, oh, but... What the fuck? General Morton did himself a lot of harm posthumously by exagger- exaggerating his worth. Morton's accomplishments as an early innovator are so vast that he did not really need to stretch the truth. Such so a thing is, this guy was very important, but he kept trying to to like paint a bigger picture bigger. for himself. Yeah, even don't ever do that. He really didn't need to. Um... Because his accomplishments would have stood without him even doing. His it.
1: accomplishments, and then like there would be people like, "Come on, Morton, don't do that. You you write real good fuck music. You don't have to
0: do." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but actually, but he ends up traveling. He's actually one, out, he's one of the early people to spread jazz. Of course. Uh, because he actually ends up moving out to LA, I think, at one point, point. and uh, I think he was in Chicago for a while, but essentially he ends up moving to a lot of these places, and you know he uh, he starts playing jazz in these places because he, you know, he travels and he, yeah. plays, he plays piano all these places he takes his music with him and he starts spreading jazz so yeah. in a really cool way Uh, now the unfortunate part oh. uh, the last one I'm going to talk about is the original Dixieland jazz oh uh, here we go here we go uh, I'm going to start by saying this is a group of like five or six white guys yeah oh which, yeah you heard about white guys right <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's no problem with white people playing jazz music okay there's just a uh, problem with white people in general no. That's a joke. That uh, was a joke. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, but like, there's, there's, Yeah, your face says otherwise. Because um, I'm just... This band may, triggers me in a lot of levels, Jake. Uh, but, like, uh, so these guys... like The, the point is with jazz, it, it's supposed to be a welcoming music, right? Jazz is supposed to be for everybody. It's, there's never supposed to... It's supposed to be progressive. Well, jazz... Yeah, it, it's supposed to be for everyone. There's no, like... There's not supposed to be any cutoff, like, oh, you, you know, we... Like, jazz is specifically for this race. No, jazz is supposed to be for everyone. That's why it spread so so much because people like jazz if you want to play if people want to be a part of it which they should be able to um but essentially the PC principle is showing right now <laughs> because I'm pissed man <laughs> this bad <laughs> exactly he pisses me off you're pissed about the lack
1: of fucking general rights. Uh, you
0: know what's actually really unfortunate is uh these people end up being the first people to actually record jazz fuck me which is, which <laughs> that's is, not good which is why they're popular um Yeah, no Uh, And actually, like, the year before that Like, the same recording company had offered uh, Freddie Keppard, who was an African-American Trumpeter in his band Mm -hmm. To be the first people to be be recorded But he was so worried that if he played On record, people would just keep Playing the record, and people would buy the record Just to copy him Oh, so he he was
1: afraid of, like, the the fucking
0: uh, so So he refused to do it
1: Oh, Freddy no. Then, and then
0: Freddie, year, no. And then over a year later, it ends up being these people. There you go. Um,
1: these fuckwits. Yeah, so... What are the names of said Dixieland jazz band? Does it just differ depending on the year? Is, no, it, like a, is it like the uh, it was Barbershop always, Quartet of Racism?
0: It was always called the original Dixieland jazz band. Okay, that's great. I didn't ask... That
1: was not the answer that I got, but all Oh, right.
0: who are these people? Yeah, who are the people who actually made up fans? I'm willing to mention one of their names, because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Personally, they're really bad.
1: I was just gonna say, for anyone would like go to out do... there and Black Lives Matter one of the graves, go ahead.
0: Oh God, uh, I don't know if I'll go that far. I don't like these. Sure. People, but Whoa. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never gonna support grave desecration. Actually. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the leader of this band, his name is his name is Dominic James or Nick Raroka. Uh, That's a white name. Yeah, he claimed to have first invented jazz. Fuck off with this noise. Uh, yeah, and the thing with this is like, these people obviously didn't, and that's the thing, and they know they didn't, and it's really transparent in the last quote that I'm gonna read for for this for this podcast episode because it's just awful. My contention is that the n words, learn to play the rhythm, this rhythm music. This rhythm and music from the white, LaRocca said.
1: Oh, no. The, the oh
0: the, no. the N-Words did not play any kind of... Oh, music he openly equal says the N-Words. Two times. Fuck. Did not play any kind of music equal to white men at any time. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, these goddamn cocksuckers. <laughs> The thing is, they end up touring for a couple years, but then they end up disbanding, and basically they, their popularity wanes after like two years, so...
1: It should have been because of the racism, but... We're talking about the 20s and the South, so we know that ain't gonna happen for a while.
0: Um, but then some other notable artists at this time... Yeah, so basically, these guys are just assholes, and like... They're just assholes. They're really only important in the fact that they had... They were part of the first jazz recording sessions... Um, and but I did, even so, they're like, well, no, we created jazz. I did fuck th- you. I here. did throw them on the playlist for this episode, but not because I enjoy them, just because I feel like they're important to tell the story. Well, uh, yeah, and it. honestly, the music's not that good, so uh, there's also that. But uh, other notable jazz artists around this time, you have Sidney Bechet, who was a really, really talented clarinet player, uh, extremely technically talented, awesome music. Uh, you have Kid Ori, who was actually a trombone player, so uh, someone near and dear to my own heart. Yeah. Uh, then you have King Oliver. You got, you have a picture of him in your room. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh, you should. You have, you have King Oliver, who was a really talented trumpet player, mm. uh, and another really talented trumpet player that I actually already mentioned, uh, Freddie Capper. So, basically, yeah. uh, that's the story of the early years of jazz. Um, after this, I believe the next episode we're gonna start dealing with things a lot closer to swing music. Yeah. So jazz is gonna get popular. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. going get hip. Yeah. Jazz is about to get real hard. It was cool before it was cool, so jazz is the hipster of music. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, Jake, you have any final comments on my uh, episode?
1: Um, or? I first want to say by saying Dixiel- original Dixieland jazz band, fuck you in the ear. Um, and everybody <laughs> else, uh, good on you.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um. so that's the story of jazz. Um, again, uh, by the time this episode is posted, I'm going to have the new link for the new website up, so you can go check out the playlist. Uh, and Jake's eventually gonna start uploading some exclusive stuff. Yeah, for for cool. this
1: upcoming one, I probably will. Just due to the so due to the uh, the delays in the first episode and what was going on at home. So this one I should have more time. Plus the weather for this week is gonna be shit, so I'll be home most of the time. <laughs> oh God, sadness.
0: All right, Seth, well, no. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and go ahead and give us a shout-out if you'd like to, or uh, yell at us if you want to as well. Yeah, that's right,
1: because you can yell at us about stuff you clearly know nothing about. Bye!